With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, welcome everybody to um, another KOA pod. Um, Welcome to all our regulars and all our newbies who might be joining us for the first time. Um, Of course, you won't recognise the intro here because I'm Mike Bacon, a.k.a. Big Pork something, whatever that is that Heath calls me. But anyway, I'm introducing this today because um, after the shambles of the weekend, Heath's had to take a couple of days off to recuperate. Um, on some staycation somewhere. Um, it all got a bit too much for him, so he's not with us today. But fortunately, the good news for you is I am, which is, of course, um, is, uh, is a very much a step up. Um, but there you go. Um, uh, Mr. Warren can't join us either. All got a bit too much for him. He's had to take time out as well. Um, it affects us all, you know, these uh, these defeats. Um, and um, it's all starting to get a bit tough. Fortunately, I was away playing golf. Um, so I, ha- I ha- I've caught up the highlights, but... Um, I did actually see the game, so that's why I'm in such fine fettle, because I didn't actually see it. Um, and I now know why um, the Sir Bobby and Sir Alf statues are outside the ground, because it, if they were inside, I don't think the poor, the dear, wonderful ex-managers could cope um, with what they might be seeing right now. That was pretty poor on Saturday from what I hear. Anyhow, two people who did make it through um, what can only be described as a... I've, used, I've seen the word shambolic used. That's a very strong word, but I have seen it used in one or two places. Um, 5-2 defeat to Bolton um, is, is our main man, of course, our chief football writer. He's got more titles than you can throw a book of titles at. Chief football writer, top writer, top journalist, everything else I want to call him. Uh, Ro- no, not Ross, sorry. Uh, Stuart Watson. Stuart, <laughs> Stuart you, you survived uh, the, the match on Saturday. Um, nice to see you. We'll have a little chat with you in a minute. And, fine. and of course, he's joined us by uh, Roscoe Ross-Halls, who was there um, taking videos of the Ipswich fans cheering in the fifth minute and scowling in the sixth. Um, so he, he had a busy weekend anyway. I loved his uh, game day video. I'll show you if you saw that, the Ipswich fans afterwards. Um, one guy was brilliant. Uh, what does our midfield do was his exact phrase, which is quite an extraordinary comment, really, because the midfield is supposed to be the, the life and soul of any team. But anyway, that's for another day. Stuart Watson, Ipswich Town 2, Bolton Wanderers 5. A few reflections, please. Cool. That was quite the build-up, Mike. I enjoyed that. Thank first, you. First things first, it's not a staycation. A staycation is when you visit places from your own home. Stop calling it staycations, everybody. Okay. can go on holiday in the UK. Um, <laughs> Good point, Stu. Thank you. So I just wanted to get that out of my system. Good. Um, oh, 5-2. Um, it's not great, is it? I don't think we we're all expecting to be sat here. I think Andy put his ratings out after the game on Saturday and said he wasn't expecting to be down in threes and fours at, at this stage of, of the new era. We, we thought it might take a bit of time to get going, but I, I didn't expect that sort of bigger hump in the road at this stage. Bolton are a, Bolton are a good side. Um, they've come up with real momentum. They've got the core of that team from last season in, in place, plus a few additions. They look like a team. They look like a collective. Ipswich Town looked what they are, a bunch of, of strangers. Um, it was hard to see what the, the structure of the, of the team was. And, and now we kind of pick the bones out of what the issues are and, and how quickly they can find some solutions to them. Because the longer this goes on, the, the more it becomes a mental block, the more points you have to make up further down the line. I'm still not in panic mode at all at the moment. I'm still trying to trying desperately to feel sort of upbeat about all of this, but that the nature of that defeat, um, you're not human if it doesn't give you a few worries and concerns, that's for sure. And I think, Stuart, that's possibly, you've hit the nail on the head there the, uh, with, a, with, a, with a, a good line there, the nature of the defeat, the nature of what happens. A um, lot of people very unhappy with body language and, you know, just general 
sort of demeanor you know as the fourth goal went in or third or fourth goal went in you know um i think people were looking for responses from players um and obviously it wasn't there well, this is it feels a bit like if this was the same team going again we'd be talking about the characters not right and paul cook was very quick to talk about the mindset and the character not being right and something sort of permeating through this football club that was meant to have all changed this summer from top to bottom the club has completely changed um and mark ashton was at pains in his interview with andy and i just last week to talk about how they've recruiting players of a certain character and having leaders across the pitch was meant to to change all of that there wasn't they weren't meant to sort of fold in that way when setbacks within games come along but they folded badly in that second half the first half again you could look at it and go well it's 2-2 it's another game where there's positives going forwards a few errors at the back sort of sullied it but second half, they just fell to pieces and heads completely went. When that fourth goal went in, you're right, body language wasn't good. And um, yeah, that's, that's that's got to change. OK, Sam Morsey wasn't in the side and he can hopefully address that. But my word, Paul Cook's putting a bit of pressure on his shoulders. Um, if we're with, you know, Sam Morsey is clearly a good, experienced player, but now we're sort of building him up to be the, the saviour. And, um, you know, we will not play like that when Sam Morsey's in the side, well, no pressure, Sam. And then the question is, well, if they hadn't signed Sam Morsey with an hour and a half spare on deadline day, and that sounds like it wasn't a player they completely hanged their hats on getting, what would the answer have been then? You know, so hopefully he is the answer. But um, yeah, one or two questions just starting to to come up now as this uh, this poor start to the season continues. And uh, Roscoe, um, obviously you're, you know, you're doing the video. You chat to the fans afterwards. I mean, obviously you saw the game itself, so you can tell us a little bit of your thoughts on that. But I mean, obviously when you come out of games, it's always interesting to grab fans and, and hear what they have to say. And um, you know, perhaps at the start of the year, even though we weren't winning, well, of course we haven't won anything, any game. So um, that's not uh, that's not really a very good comment. But at the start, of the season, obviously when they, you know, we we're drawing games, fans were still fairly okay-ish. Um, but I watched game day video to this week, and although. Ipswich fans are brilliantly loyal. They really are. And we'll give it a real chance. There's one or two now starting to get a little edgy about it all. Yeah. Um, I always enjoy, you know, speaking to fans after because, you know, I know them personally as well. And yeah, some now, you know, they're using it, you know, the excuse, you know, waiting for the jail, give them time on the training ground. But, you know, we had the international break. You know, they had an opportunity to work on the training ground, what they need to do. And, and then lose 5-2 at home against Bolton is not what they want to see. Um, and it wasn't a good performance. Um, and yeah, they, understandable. There was boos at full time. I think they're maybe more booing at the, the result because we just lost 5-2 at home. I think that's what makes it worse is 5-2. I think if we lost against Bolton, like 2-1 or something like that, you know, it's still not great. But just the nature of the defeat just makes it even more worse. And yeah, I'm pleased that the fans didn't swear. Um, they always annoyed that. So mm. no beeping out. And a few, you know, S I I T um S H I T words were shouted out, but nothing else. But uh but yeah, uh yeah, not a good afternoon. Um, I at one stage I just closed my eyes and just looked and just to look at the scoreboard and hope it wasn't five two, but it was. Um but yeah, not a good not a good day at the office for the blues. I can picture it now, Ross. You looking at the scoreboard and closing your eyes and then opening it again and seeing, yes, it was still 5-2, which is very good. And I love the way you couldn't spell S-I-H-T correctly, but that's not <laughs> matter because I knew what I knew what you meant. I knew yeah. what you meant. Don't worry. At least you got rid of the goalie, so you ain't got to worry about his name anymore. But, I mean, yeah. now you've got S-I-H-T. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, but Stu, people left before the end. I mean, we would had hope we'd stop seeing that, but, but people were... We're not flocking away. I, I, I don't know. I wasn't there, but were they flocking away, or was it? Is it was it? Just um, a... I didn't notice a mass exodus. Um, I'm sure there were some that that left before the end. I have got an apology to make before we start. I did get something slightly wrong in my copy at the weekend. I talked about it being the first time since the Norwich game that Ipswich had conceded five goals at home. Um, completely forgetting about the five-two, another five-two home defeat to Southampton which came uh, a few months after that. The Norwich game was in the April 2011 at the back end of that season. And then the Southampton game um, was was in the early stages 
an August game. In, in some ways, some comparisons there because Southampton were a newly promoted side with with real momentum. I think back to that game and uh, Lalana and Holt, uh, Lalana and Ricky Lambert. Sorry, were the were the kind of the, the men that took Ipswich apart that that day. Um, so, yes, of, of a similar era, but I just thought I'd, I'd correct that. But um, the reaction from the fans, I think it's understandable. I, I, I take it as the booze being what Ross said, that it's just an instant release of frustration at losing 5-2. I don't see it as a bigger a bigger show of frustration at anyone in particular. That's, I don't suddenly feel like there's huge pressure on the manager or anything like that at this moment in time. I think it's become a bigger topic of discussion because of the scoreline on, on Saturday and some little questions about are we into the sort of Lambert-Culverhouse territory with, with Cook and Liam Richardson, obviously with Wigan starting the season so well with Richardson as manager has kind of brought that to the forefront. Obviously, Cook's coaching staff is pretty inexperienced with, with Gary Roberts still doing his badges, Ian Craney, Francis Jeffers. So just a few little things like that are starting to become topics of debate. I don't think anyone... I don't think there's this big groundswell of people talking about it at the moment. I think most people listen to what Mark Ashton had to say last week and understand that this is still early days of huge sea change, uh, cultural change throughout the club. But there's no getting away from it. Ipswich have played Morecambe, they've played Bolton, they've played Cheltenham, three sides that have come up. They've played Newport in League Two. They've played three teams that finished in the bottom half last season in, in Wimbledon, Burton and uh, AFC Wimbledon, and they haven't won a football match. Now, gelling and individual mistakes and players settling in the area, all those things are, are valid reasons, but I still don't think that there's enough there to sort of mitigate not having a win on the board at this stage. So Paul Cook was given the budget to go and form this squad that should have been a little bit more oven ready to use a a, a quote from uh, our prime minister talking about oven oven ready situations. It's um you know this team should have Wigan changed their whole team and look where they are at the moment. Morecambe had made just as many signings as Ipswich had on on that first day. So it only goes so far to sort of excuse where Ipswich Town are at at the moment. A little, um, a little Brexit reference there, Stu. A little oven-ready deal. Yes, I like that. Very good. We, do, we mustn't bring politics into it, though, but I know exactly what you mean. No, you're right, Stu. Um, I mean, look, I, I personally, I just think the players should, the players they have signed should be good enough or have, should have been good enough by now to win a football match. I mean, and I think that's very much the thing. Um, and I wish it had been Newport, quite frankly, for the second one of the season. I still look back on that as a huge missed opportunity. I know it doesn't really matter, but you might have drawn who knows who by it. The whole season could have changed just by beating Newport dependent on who we got in the next round, dependent on if we won that and got in the next round after that. But, well, it's not to be, is it? Um, I mean, Roscoe, a few thoughts from you about it all. I mean, as, as Stu said, you know, if at the start of the season we'd said, well, we'll get the middle of September and town won't even want a game yet, we'd have all put off our chairs and laughed our heads off, kicking our feet in the air. Um, but we're not. Yeah. You know, we're speaking off fair, you know, if we just got that, that win against Morecambe on the opening day, that would have been the perfect start we wanted. But we only just about got a draw in that game. You know, McCauley Bond had to, on his debut, score in the 95th minute. Um, but... You know, once again, we started so well in this game. We're one 0 up in five minutes. We're calling Bond scoring. I thought, oh, here we go. We're going to have a you know a really good day in the sunshine in Suffolk at Portman Road. Nineteen thousand fans in attendance. It's going to be a good day. Our first win on the board. Unfortunately, that didn't last long. They Bolton scored, make it one-one. Then KVY, you know, basically took out his man. The penalty they went two-one up, and then we made it two-two. And then of course. We thought, okay, going to go into half time, going to be, you know, drawing this game. But then Bolton, killer punch, 3 2, half time. And that's where it all fell apart. And of course, Bolton then went, scored two goals, make it 5 2. And yeah, that was it, really. The game was done and dusted. And yeah, I just didn't know where we we're going to get anything from that game. But yeah. Once again, we're in a sort of if, but some maybes, coulda, woulda, shoulda situation. <laughs> you looked at that stoppage time. 2-2, got it back to 2-2. The crowd were really behind them. They had a period of pressure. 
McCauley Bon at one end, side foots wide, a, a pretty, I wouldn't say a guilt edged chance, but a very presentable chance for Ipswich Town. And from the subsequent goal kick, Bolton go and score. And again, we're going back to if they'd have scored the penalty at Burton and if this, if Wolfenden hadn't done this against Morecambe and if Bon hadn't missed his chance against Cheltenham, ifs, buts, maybes. And you kind of reflect on, and I'm not for one instance saying it's going down this route at all, but you looked at the relegation season and that they were lots of fine margin defeats and you keep going back, well, if and so close and if that had turned in this, this game and when that happens consistently over a period of time, I think that sometimes points to some some bigger underlying issues. They can't can't keep doing this. It will go one or two ways. Those moments will start to turn as the team gets fitter, as, they, as there's more chemistry coming in, or it will just keep happening. And um, they've got to try and sort out some of these things because there's recurring themes here. As Ross says, this ability to kind of concede so quickly after scoring, you do the hard work, they get in front, and that's the third game in a row in front of their own fans where they've managed to concede within three, four, five minutes of scoring and it just sucks the joy out of the air and brings all those sort of underlying anxieties bubbling back to the surface that everyone's carrying around on them because of what's gone on in years gone by. So there's there's some things to sort out here at the moment. Um, for me, the problem's midfield. I mean, you touched upon it in that, that game day video. It's it's the centre of midfield. I, I know people look at it and go, 15 goals conceded in six games. Well, it's the goalkeeper, it's the defence. It's a team game, football. And um, you said right at the very start, Mike, the midfield is your engine room. Whatever happens in midfield affects all parts of the team. And that Evans-Harper pivot at the bottom of midfield is just not got the right blend there for me. There's not enough... No one sort of tackling or breaking things up, and and if you're not doing that, you've got to be damn good on the ball and creating chances and doing all of that. And I'm not sure that the forward side of their play is doing anywhere near enough to to make up for the deficiencies defensively at the moment. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I'm I'm not a great lover of four two three one to be honest, but it seems to be quite popular with a lot of managers at all levels. So I'm not going to go against what they think. But I think if you're going to have, you know, if you watch England with uh, Rice and Calvin Phillips, if you want to take an example, you know, they're not two of the show show stopping stars of English football, but they do such an effective job that it works. You have to have people who do that effective job. Harper and Evans at the start of the season, they seem to start okay for the couple of games I saw at the start, but it just seems to have drifted. I don't think Harper's a huge, tough tackling midfielder anyway. Um, I'm not particularly sure Evans is, to be honest. But it's yeah, mid midfield is so important, as you say, as you say, Stu. But um, yeah, I mean, I suppose we've got to start. start. Fans, um, Roscoe, you know, talking about Paul Cook's head. I mean, that's it's absurd. Obviously, right now we don't we don't be getting rid of any managers now. For goodness' sake, what imagine the chaos that caused when a new guy came in? But it is being spoken about, Ross, isn't it? Among your among fans, you speak to. Yeah, you know, there's going to be some who, you know, wants guarantee results straight away. You know, we wanted to win every game, every game to start of the season, and they'll, you know, which is, you know, of course we're which is town we're in League One, and we've we've got 19 new signings. They're all superstars, but I think it is a bit ridiculous. You know, I'm going to put it out there now. I think it's ridiculous to call for a manager's head this early on. You know, six games in. You know, there's. I'm not going to use the example like Lincoln last year. They got into the playoffs and, you know, they had a whole new team. Blackpool, that, that, you know, we beat them 4-1 and they got promoted to the championship. Um, you know, what what would it do if you sack a manager and then a new manager comes in and went, I don't really like these players and he's going to do a whole transition again. Okay, we're going to put all those in the bomb squad and then he has to bring his own players in January. I think it's just a ridiculous thing. But I understand as well, people are frustrated. They want that quick, you know, they, we just, they just want to win. I think that's the big thing. We just want to win um, and it may cool down a little bit. When that first win happens, I think, you know, hopefully it will start. But my problem is at the moment, we haven't got a plan B, which is uh, the worry a little bit. But we'll we'll, see, we'll we'll go into that in a minute. Yeah, the substitutions are, are interesting, aren't they? That seems to be a topic of, of debate there that um, waited quite late to make the second substitution. Obviously, the first substitution had to happen early in that first half. Yeah. I think most people agree that it was a bold call, but the correct call to take Kane Vincent Young off after 21 minutes. Um, Afa Lyon down the left for Bolton looks a real player. 
Um, they've done really well to sign him permanently from from West Ham, a part of their promotion last season. He was giving Ipswich no end of problems. Um, there was a moment before all the goals started going in where Kane was caught quite high up the pitch trying to do what he does attack-wise. And then his recovery run, I thought he looked like he was running in quicksand. And I have to say that Kane Vincent Young looks a shadow of his pre-injury self at the start of this season. Perhaps understandably, he's had the best part of two years out. Um, and I hope that he does get back to somewhere near those sort of levels. But at the moment, he is short of those physically at the moment. He himself has said that there is still a lot more to come from him. So I think with him being in that physical state at the moment, being up against a player of that nature on a booking, had given the penalty away. That was the right call to take him off. Now, Paul Cook's reasoning for leaving his other two substitutions so late is that he feels that he's got a plethora of players out there at the moment that are just not fit enough to play his level of intensity to the end of the game. And he didn't want to use too many subs too early in case injuries happened or something else happened later in the game. So it wasn't until it was 5-2 that he made the next substitution. Um, Tom Carroll eventually came on with with a damage done. He replaced sort of Chaplin. So it was a, a holding midfielder for an attacking midfielder and uh, switched to a sort of a 4-1 formation um, and that sort of settled things down a, a little bit so um, and then very late on interestingly Caden Jackson was, was the last attacking um, substitution used leaving Joe Piggott and Louis Barry as unused subs so Caden Jackson who started pre-season with the under 23s and looked look to be on his way out of the door so that was an interesting one as well yeah it's um yeah, substitutions are very difficult to sort of try and work out, aren't they, Stu? And 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 where and when and all the rest of it. It's interesting we say about intensity, um, you know, and perhaps of fitness. Um, international break has come and just gone, of course, Stu. And um, our record after international breaks is a shocker. Just it's, it's almost as embarrassing as our cup runs over the last uh, decade. We don't seem to come out of the traps after international break. Goodness knows what they do for two weeks, apart from sadly getting players injured. Um well, this, this adds to this feeling of it being a curse, doesn't it? Because so yeah. much has changed and yet so little has changed. This kind of narrative that's been hanging over it, which, like you say, about going out in the first round of the Cup so often to lower league opposition. It's happened again with Newport being rubbish after international breaks. It's happened again this weekend. And it is hard to kind of shake this feeling of here we go again that kind of has become so deeply ingrained in all of us. Mm. But for me, the fans more than play their part. They turned up to the ground and there felt like a real positive energy in the crowd pre-kickoff. When the when the team goes behind at certain stages, I think the crowd respond and try and lift them. I talked about in the first half when it went to 2-2, really getting behind them at that stage. But there's only so much you can kind of, that has to come from the crowd. I know it's always a bit of a catch-22, who lifts who, it's time the team and the, and the club started giving something for people to really hold on to now. Um, all of this sort of positivity has come from off the pitch, hasn't it? With the signings, with, with the owners being more visible, with Mark Ashton being so much more transparent. But at some stage, that hope has to come from what you see with your own two eyes on the football pitch. Fans are doing their job. I think absolutely right. Ipswich Town fans have been terrific over decades, um, uh, uh, you know, I've been following them for many, many years. Ipswich Town fans are some of the best, and and they've received some pretty harsh comments from from managers over the years, which I haven't been impressed with. Um, and right now, as you say, they've bought into this at the moment, big time. Um, I've got, I know, loads of people who are back season ticket holders buying into the new project, as if you want to call it a project, you know, because they're so excited and they're still hanging on in there. Um, but they're starting to text me, one or two texts me after a game, you know, as that was carp, they said, you know, I think it meant craps, uh, Roscoe, but I think I spelled it wrong. And, um, but, you know, it's, um, they, they have points, but no, Ross, it's true though. I mean, you, again, you chat to fans. I mean, fans have really bought into it, haven't they? And, and, and they, what, they, they're not, they, they're, they're creating great atmospheres at, at Portman Road. They, they deserve those players to, and I think you're right, Stu, what comes first? Well, in my opinion, what comes first is really what should come first is the players on the pitch, but it doesn't feel that way, Ross. 
No, there's going to be some fans who are probably bought a season ticket for the first time in many, many years because they're just excited about this new project, all these new signings, you know, the owners, Mark Ashton being so open and happy to chat to, you know, Andy and Stuno, those two podcasts, you know, as a fan myself, I'm, I was so excited. I'm excited for this season. I know this is my job, but as a fan, I'm so excited for this season. And uh, obviously it's not started the way we wanted it to be. But, you know, I think, as you said, for decades, town fans have gone through the worst of the worst. I know we haven't gone into like, you know, I know we went into administration in, in the mid 2000s, but we had had the likes of Bolton and Wigan and Portsmouth who pretty much literally went out of business, but we've had some really bad years where we've struggled and we've gone to a lot of nil nils and not been enjoyable going to Portland Road. But the fans, as Stu said, the positivity going into the game on Saturday, you know, the chanting, the, the great banners and just the great atmosphere. 19,000 fans in League One at Portman Road. And yeah, it uh, started well and it didn't finish well. And, you know, I'm, I understand the frustration. And, um, you know, I'm pleased that fans are still happy to chat to me after the game because I'm sure there'll be some, you know, there's David, who's a, a regular on the game day. He said it was going to be the first time he was going to leave a ground. He's 35 years of supporting town. It's the first time he's going to leave early. But he said, nope, we've got to speak to Ross for game day. I want to show him my thoughts. But that just proves how, you know, some fans uh, <laughs> already really had enough already because they're not they're not enjoying it. But, but yeah, still early days, but yeah, frustrating already. Well, you ain't got to worry, Ross. If um, if they don't speak to you, you can always contact me and Stewie on a, on a, on a Saturday night, can't you, Stewie? Because um, if you want to contact me, we were down the pub or somewhere, just give us a call if you're sort of emotionally upset about fans not talking to you. Um, but we understand. Don't we, Stu? We'll be, we'll be there for I you. I wish I was down the pub, my friend. I'm in an empty office having to, to write about it all each each weekend. I hope that there was this was going to be a slightly easier season <laughs> professionally for me. It becomes incredibly wearing. That I looked at my timeline on Saturday night and you've got sort of one group of people sort of oh time for the tough questions get your tough questions ready Stu and all that and I think right here we go and then you got another group of people then you publish the the Q&A of Paul Cook afterwards oh typical local local rag can't wait to stick the knife in and I just think <laughs> here we go again I thought we might might have a little bit of light relief from that it's um yeah it's uh it's part of the part of the gig but I just that there hasn't been there hasn't been any escape from that for such a long period of time, and I thought this year might be a bit of a bit of a break from that. But um, would it be lovely? Would it be lovely if Town were top of the league and you know five points clear and it's only conceded six and scored twenty seven and every we match did. report you could just wax lyrical? How wonderful that would be! People don't realise that that as fans, as we're journalists as well as fans, it's a nightmare, isn't it? When but I think people think we we quite enjoy them not the town not playing very well. Do they just, have no every, idea? Every every word, every spoken word, every written word just requires that much more mental thought. You know, just mm. thinking what is the con. When Mark Ashton was talking about if we do this, what's the consequence of A onto B onto C? And that's our thought process yeah. all yeah. the time in terms of trying to keep, you know, trying to be fair to to readers, to fans, to the club to everybody and you're kind of in this this middle ground just a constant sort of tread treading on eggshells with it all it's um it's quite draining and i was hoping that we wouldn't be here in in mid september of this this new era quite being back in this situation um the hope the hope is that it is still early days um and that I keep trying to sort of objectively stand back and look at it and see how, you know, this is a better group of players now. This isn't a rebuild of the Paul Hurst variety with players that we were trying to convince ourselves would be good players that had come from below. These are players with careers behind them that on paper should be good players for this level. And, that, and there are a lot of players that aren't fully fit because the signings came late in the window for for no through nobody's fault. And I think once the fullbacks are fit enough, particularly if we're talking about fitness, I think those two fullbacks need to be fitter. Coulson had COVID throughout pre-season. KV wise, we've talked about still getting up to speed. They are massive to how Paul Cook plays. Mm. Um now mm. you could argue, well, they're not fit, you try and do something different to get results in the meantime, but that's the way he wants to go. Um, so I think when they get fitter, that will make a massive difference. When Morsi's in there, that will make a massive difference. Selena, by all accounts, has been an absolute joke in training from 
a few people have told me on on the inside and um what you mean funny haha or extremely <laughs> good well I, I don't understand that i don't that's a very journalistic term i don't understand Stu. uh just just been ridiculously good by all accounts um, the, thank you, you know that that people expect him to be this star player in league one but by all accounts you know he's come here with with that real sort of mindset to to be that star man so you get him in the team you get morsi in the team you get the fullbacks fit you get that blend right and and you still believe that it could click. And Ross mentioned Blackpool putting a new side together. That happened. Their run came very late last season. Bolton are another example on Saturday who were, I think, 19th in the table in February last year in, in League Two, having built a new team in the summer. And Ian Evitt, a manager with a promotion on a recent promotion on his CV at Barrow, turned it around and they got that, that momentum and they've carried it into a new level. Paul Cook, another manager, parallels there. Manager with a promotion on his CV in the past, and it may take a bit of time to get them going. So you should just keep sort of clinging on to these little examples uh, elsewhere that it, it it could happen. And I still do think it could happen. But um, yeah, every every game that slides by just makes the task that little bit harder, doesn't it? Exactly, and I think, and I think, let, I mean, I, I think you're right. You, you touched on some good stuff there, Stu, particularly about Morsia and Selena being a joke. Um, but you didn't mean a joke as in a joke. You meant as a joke, as in brilliantly a joke, as in brilliant. Um, but when I used to go football training, they used to call me a joke, Stu, and it wasn't the same. I promise you, it was not what the way you were inferring um, to Selena. But there, yeah, there, Ross. Okay, so Morsi gets in the side. Selena's fit and raring to go, and Harper's on one wing, and Selena's on the other. Um, I mean, they're, you know, that's that's a good. That's a good side, isn't it, Ross? I mean, you know, there's some quality, some fantastic players there. The season's only still very, very young. Yeah. Oh, I'll put another phrase. There'll be fire. That's another, you know, young person phrase. There'll be fire when they when they play. Um, I'm excited what, to what see does that. that. What does that? What does that mean? We mean there'll be fire. It'll just be amazing, oh. unbelievable. All that, all that jazz. With joke yeah. as well. It's also a bit of a like, you know, you're rubbish as well. You know, you're a joke. Like, sometimes I'm a joke. I'm sure. You know, under your breath, you can normally call Ross a joke. But uh, anyway, yeah. enough of that. We do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but yeah. I mean, but, but, but no, seriously, Ross, I mean, no, but, but, but I mean, Celine is exciting, isn't he? And Harp have already seen. And like I say, Moore's, you know, there's so much quality in that squad. Oh, that's, you know, to be fair, like there's, like, say, Luco, okay, last, last few yeah. podcasts, I was sort of saying, what a rubbish player, but. He was probably the only good standout player from from Saturday. You know, Bond got his goal, um, but yeah, when these players are fully fit and raring to go, you'd hope, hope they will get firing and they'll they'll gel together and get those wins on the you know. But yeah, I'm sure they were still. I don't it's know. Thing, <laughs> I'm lost the words sometimes. It's one thing having good players, and clearly Ipswich have got good players, but. It's got to become a good team, hasn't it? And that's that's yeah. where Ipswich Town are at at the moment. It's the squad is bigger than they wanted. I think both Ashton and Cook have kind of alluded to that. That Cook's always been clear that I, I work with small squads. I've always worked with tight knit squads, and it's ended up being what a twenty eight man first team yeah. squad if and when everybody's fit. They weren't necessarily banking on signing Morsi and Selena. They were bonus buys that they weren't. Even right up until the last minute, Ashton sort of said we didn't know if we were going to get them. So they had to kind of build their squad, not knowing whether they were going to get those players. They did get them. Thankfully, they did. But it's now created a bit of a, a man management issue for, for Cook. And I'm sure there'll be a, a few players in that squad that were sold a certain vision that are now going, OK, the goalposts have moved a little bit here. Someone like Louis Barry, for example, was dropped down into to League One and, and now thinking, where's my game time coming from? So that will be a, a, another little issue for, for Cook to uh, to deal with. Absolutely. And, uh, well, there we go. There's big reflections on the on the weekend just gone. But, of course, now coming up Tuesday night, tomorrow night, if it's Monday and you're watching this, uh, today, if it's Tuesday and you're watching this, and yesterday, if you're watching it on Wednesday, which you probably won't want to listen to this next bit because, obviously, about to discuss, it's, uh, it's the EFL Trophy. And um, without doubt, um, an, another competition we will, we will tackle with relish, like we always have done, the cup competitions. Uh, West Ham under-21s. Is that actually right that it's actually that only under-21s allowed to play in the West Ham team? Or is that like 
under 23s, you get three 30 year olds come back from injury. I mean, is this is this actually a genuine under 21 West Ham team, Stu? And if it is, um, are we going big? Are we going strong? Or are we going to sort of just sack this one out as well? He'll be going strong, no doubt about it. It's uh, It's been a, a change of tact towards this one. When Paul Cook, I looked back on when he spoke to fans at a fans forum on July the 30th, and he was asked about what his approach would be to cup competitions because it was fans are fed up of, of these early cup exits. And, and he was very honest at that and said that promotion and the league is the utmost priority. FA Cup, not far behind that. I think he had a good FA Cup run at, at Wigan that culminated, culminated in a big game against Man City. So that that's one that I think he likes. Then he said lesser competitions will be the Carabao Cup. And then finally, the Papa John's Trophy and sort of alluded to making changes in, in those competitions. And Cook took Chesterfield to the, the final of the, um, the EFL Trophy uh, many years ago. And he said, it was a great day out, but we lost. They lost 3-1 to Peterborough. And even though Chesterfield did actually go get promoted that season, he felt that it was a hindrance to that promotion push. So a few weeks ago, I'm sure Paul Cook would, would have been saying that this competition is a bit of a, an unwanted distraction. But all of a sudden, you're seven games in, you're without a win. And it, and it becomes important just to get that first win on the board, to get up and running. Um I'm sure it will be a stronger team than than he anticipated playing. Um, whether it changes from even stronger off the back of Saturday, I'm not sure. He did say post-match that he'd already picked the team last week. Um, and I would imagine that he'll stick with that. I wouldn't I wouldn't imagine that he'll make changes to that just off the back of the 5-2. But it will be a strong team. We've just alluded to all the, the 20-man 28-man squad. Uh, it's not going to be a kids' team, that's for sure. And Morsey's expected to make to play, is he, Stu? Yes, he will definitely start. Um, he makes his debut. Obviously, arrived with a, a three-game suspension to serve. That is now that suspensions are competition specific. So he's got two more league games to serve with that suspension, but he can play in the Carabao Cup. So we get to see that. For me, is the biggest point of intrigue for this game to see what mm. Sam Morsey, the man who's being held up as the the savior, that can be the the glue that kind of starts binding this team together and, and starts cutting out the goals, what what he's going to be like in this fixture. So if you go strong, Ross, if Stu says uh, he thinks Paul Cook will go re- reasonably strong, not super strong, but reasonably strong, who, what sort of what sort of names would you like to hopefully see on the old team sheet at, uh, at uh, half past six or whatever time it comes out? Before I get into that, I want to just say, can someone tell Paul Cook it's not the Johnson Paint Trophy anymore? I know it doesn't really matter. But uh, I'm sure Pat Johns, the sponsorship people are out there, probably not happy that he's calling that competition that. Has he so, um, noticed that? I thought it yeah. was a bit the Papa Johns. No. It was, yeah, it was probably you... the JPT when he got into the final, wasn't it? I don't know probably. whether he was staying true to what it was called back then. I think I think I prefer Johnston paints myself because yeah. I think that's more sort of sort of I mean, don't get me wrong, I like a pizza, Stu. Don't get me wrong, no one likes a pizza more than me. Pepperoni. Um, my favourite, but I mean, I, Johnson's paints will be DIY about it, hasn't it? Us, us DIY, uh, us DIY freaks that we all are uh, in the sports department. Um, we wouldn't hire anybody to paint our houses, but um, <laughs> would we? Anyway, so um, anyway, yeah. Sorry, Roscoe, we take it away. You haven't named the team yet. No, uh, I'd like to see Joe Piggott come in. I think that is one frustrating thing on Saturday. You got a man who scored twenty plus goals as soon as last year, and he didn't even come on the pitch. Um, well, it's back-to-back games. No, he did score against women, didn't he? Ignore that. Um, but I'd like to see him come on just to play, just to get some more minutes. Um, as you said, Morsey. Now, the question is, do you stick with a goalkeeper? Do you drop? You're not really dropping Walton, are you? Because it's a cup competition. Do you bring in Holy? Do you bring in the other goalkeeper's name that I'm not going to say? Um, and then defence, George Edmondson. I'll probably give him a game again because he just needs that minutes. So he's coming back with his fitness. Um, do you mean to name the whole team? Uh, well, not really, Ross, because I think okay. um, I think you'll probably get it wrong. So um, yeah. that's, that's a completely pointless exercise. But I mean, you're, I mean, you're well. Don't get me wrong; you're welcome. Have a have a have a stab by all means. But um, it's probably it's pretty pointless. But go on. No, I let I let's do because he, he probably would probably do a better team than me. I'm just no, just chucking go, names. Go no, There's go for definitely Ross. a balancing act between yeah. bedding in your preferred eleven. If you've got a preferred eleven in mind, and we're talking about getting some relationships going. Do you do you go again, let some of these players get Saturday out their system, start trying to 
gel this team, considering you've been talking about it. But on the flip side of that, you've got a double-edged sword of A, keeping other players happy and also managing injury risks as well. So do you, again, which way do you look at it? Do you look at an extra a second game in four days puts a bit more fitness in the legs of these players and gets them up to that level of intensity that Cook wants? Or do you see them as injury risks? Like Edmondson, for example, would be a prime example. He's They've held him back and held him back because he arrived with this unspecified injury. You've played him Saturday. Now, do you go, go on then, go and get another 90 minutes in your legs? Or do you think, mm, he's in the red zone, as the sports scientists would say, and we can't, we can't afford for him to break down? And there's plenty of others in that category. Wes Burns... To assist at the weekend, he's he's got a nagging Achilles problem, which sets alarm bells ringing for me. Chaplin played the opening day, sat a few out for injury, came back into the team at the weekend. Does he need another game or does he need a rest? Those are the big calls that that Paul Cook's going to have to make on on this game. So Roscoe, um, you said Piggott, and uh, yeah, no, do, do your eleven, Ross. Go do on. your eleven, Ross, because um, and then we can compare it perhaps on 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 the next KOA podcast. Okay, well, I think because I'm looking at this now where we haven't got a midweek game next week, so you've got to think we've got West Ham, then we've got Lincoln, then we've got a break, then we've got Sheffield Wednesday, and then we've got Doncaster. So we ain't got that worry of like, okay, we've got Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, we only got that for this week. Um, so I think I'm going to go with, with Holy and Goal. I think he deserves an opportunity just to, to play. I know, you know in a way you're dropping Walton, you just conceded five goals, but I just think it's an opportunity for Holy to play. Then... Janoy, right back. I think maybe KVY just needs that extra rest and, you know, we'll see how it gets on. I think Emerson, I'll start him again alongside Wolfie. Uh, and then Matt Penny at left back. I think with Colson, he's still trying to get that fitness up. Then Morsi, Tom Carroll alongside him. I think maybe Evans and Harper just needs a moment for them just to just have, just have a little break there. And then Aluko to start again. And then I'll start Barry. I would start Barry for this game um, because I'm sure Aston Villa at some point are going, you're going to play him. We just loaned him out. And I'm, I'm, I'm seeing actually some Aston Villa fans already mentioning, you know, what's the point of sending Barry to you if you're not going to play? I'd rather have him in our under-23s. And then a little surprise here. I'm actually going to give an opportunity for Idris Elmazuni to play. Um, I know it, it, maybe on paper it doesn't look like a strong team, but it is a strong team. But just give us some minutes for him and then play Joe Pick up front. Mm, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a bit of strength in that, Ross. That's very good. We'll, yeah. we'll perhaps we could we'll reflect we'll reflect on that later <clears throat> later in the week. I'm sure it'll um it will be absolutely nothing like the team that is plus play tomorrow. It's a good doesn't really matter. And um, so I'd, student... be, I'd be getting Walton in again. I think um, yeah. the the time where there's no room for sentiment is here now, and I think you, you've brought in Walton to be your first choice goalkeeper. Looked a little <laughs> bit nervy at, at times, maybe not to the levels of. Plaggy nervy at the weekend, but he's ultimately conceded five goals. Look, it's not going to be great for Plaggy, who's going to be feeling probably pretty low at the moment, having gone from starter to not even being in the 18. Thomas Holy is a popular character. I don't know whether that was a bit of a reward for him to stick him on the bench or whether it was to protect Plaggy. You've got all these man management issues now with the three mm -hmm. senior goalkeepers, but you've signed Walton to be your man now. Goalkeepers can rattle out games, no problem at all. I'd be going with him again all day long. And then it's difficult because I thought Wolfenden had done all right in the in the game prior to the to the international break. Um, but if Burgess and Edmondson are your again your preferred two centre halves going forward, which it looks like, then you've got to start bedding some of these partnerships mm. in at, at some stage. Be it the two centre halves, the two midfielders, your two left sided players. At some stage, you have to start settling on some of these these guys so um yeah I, I would like to see quite quite a few of them from the weekend go again to be quite honest um Morsi's obviously in there is who, who does he see as his preferred player to play alongside Morsi is it Lee Evans who was Morsi's teammate at Wigan um Tom Carroll got a name check last weekend on Friday for having been outstanding in training over the two-week international break so that says to me that he was earmarked for this game. I think Ross is probably right. A Carol Morsi central central sort of midfield duo. And if they play well tomorrow night, then they may even carry that into the game at Lincoln on, on Saturday. Who knows? 
Well, certainly, um, you know, Cook's given some of these players a, a, a few few matches to, to 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 claim the shirt, hasn't he? I mean, that's he hasn't he hasn't get mucking around too much. So um, yeah, so there we go. So that's West Ham uh, Tuesday night under twenty one. So that's um, yeah, some look forward to, and uh, perhaps we'll all uh, yeah, we'll be re- reflecting on this uh, podcast perhaps next May when we're all at Wembley for the final and um, Ross's team selection that 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 night that night. Back at Portman Road when Town got their first win, 7-0 or something like that. And we think Ross's team was exactly correct. Um, but anyway, so we look forward to West Ham here tomorrow night. Um, before we, we come to the end of the um, what's been that standing podcast, um, I'm sure you agree. And if you don't, well, I'm sorry. Um, but um, yeah, just a little, one little thing to do. Um, of course, well, it's a little change of tact here because... Um, Town's under-23 manager, Mr Kieran Dyer, of course. I don't know if you're aware, if you are aware, fans out there, but he's on the SAS Celebrity uh, SAS Channel 4, whatever it is, jumping off rocks and diving into the lakes and all sorts of horrendous things. And um, I, I, I caught up with him um, last night. I, caught, I watched it last night and then caught up with him afterwards. And apparently next week is going to be his big his big event. We'll look forward to that. But um, has any of you seen any of this uh, SAS Celebrity Challenge? Yes, it's extreme. I don't know how some of them don't break down. I'm sure some of them do, but um, who dares wins in it? That's what it's called. That's ah, that's what it's called. Yes, celebrity yeah. challenge. Who dares wins? Yeah. Yes, thank you. Yes, Ross. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the show. I've spoken mm. to Kieran on and off about it for a number of months now. I was very mm. excited to uh, to see him in action. Um, limited airtime is is normally a good sign that someone's going to go pretty deep, and I'd have backed Kieran to go mm. deep in this. He's still fit as a fiddle. I think he's um, mentally. I think he's 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 really strong. He's surprised that he's changed a lot of people's opinions on on him as a person since his book came out and stuff mm. he's done since on TV. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing his um, his big episode. Normally they centre an episode around uh, mm. sort of one or two people each week, and so next weekend, looking forward to that. Absolutely, they do seem to. Um, I mean, like Jack, Jack, I can't remember his second name, a bit like Halaji. Is it Quigley, Quig, Quiddle or Quiddlemore? Jake, Quiddle or Quiddle, what's his name? Quickenden, that's the one. He got a lot of uh, attention yesterday, and then he and then he hurt his arm and he went home. So that was a bit strange. I hope Kieran doesn't get too much attention next. We hope he does go deep into the series. You say he's become quite a brave little chap. He's really got a celebrity, get me out of here, eating slugs and rabbits and horses and whatever else he ate, uh, flies, whatever they're called. And then um, now he's doing this. But uh, if you don't see it on Sunday nights, this SAS, who dares? It is, it is great. Well, I, I love it. And uh, good luck to Kieran. Let's hope he does go all the way, Stu, eh? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to that. And then hopefully uh, we'll get a chance to uh, to talk to Kieran about his whole whole experience on there as a whole when, uh, when, it, when it all comes to an end. Yeah, hold, I've, I've asked him to do that. So I'm saying it's now on air, Kieran. I'm, mm. I'm holding you to it. You said you'd, you'd have a little chat with us when it's done. So, yeah, um, he, well, he will do. I'll, I'll drop him. He must do because unless he gets sort of too tough and hard for us all to, we, we're too scared to interview him because he's suddenly SAS. But I mean, um, no, it'd be great to speak to him. Um, right. Look, this has come to the end of the podcast. Um, um, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, everyone else who enjoys listening to, to KOA or KOA Army and friends out there. I hope you enjoyed um, um, this we're obviously desperately looking forward to Ipswich Town getting that first win maybe away against West Ham tomorrow night we'd be delighted if it was their second win of the season at Lincoln on Saturday uh, Roscoe a few final words uh, hope you enjoy your pepperoni pizza if you have one tonight Mike Mm, thank you very much. Fine. That's a, that's a fine finale. Um, but uh, I'm not having pre- pe- pepperoni pizza tonight. Oh, no, I think okay. I think I've actually got fajitas, um, Stu, which is, is always always very nice. Fajitas. Fajitas. <laughs> what is it? Fajitas. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Enjoy well, I know those. what. I, I eat them and they're tasty. So I, I don't. We don't discuss the name too much, but they're very nice. So what have you got for tea tonight, Stu? Anything particular? Uh, to be confirmed. To be confirmed, right? Okay. I'm not, I'm not someone who who meal plans days in advance. It's mm. a bit like open the fridge at ten to six. See what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Stu, final couple of words from you before we go. Um, doesn't it say a lot that we're talking about a Papa John's Trophy Group A <laughs> opener against West Ham under twenty ones as being a really important game for Ipswich Town? That's quite a sobering thought, isn't it? Really, but that that's where we're at at this moment in time. Um, let's hope. Uh, let's hope they just get that that win tomorrow night, and um, and it all turns from here. Come on! 
Yeah, come on, boys. Let's come on. You can do this. Ipswich fans will be there cheering loud and proud. They've got we've got a good squad there. We've just got to try and keep the faith for a little bit longer. We're sure it's all going to come. I'm Mike Bacon. I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to me waffling away here in place of Mr. Heath, who will be back with you uh, later in the week if he hasn't stayed on his staycation for, oh, sorry, not staycation, whatever it's called, uh, any longer than he needs to. So, yeah, and finally, of course, thanks ever so much for uh, listening to the Kings of Anglia podcast. Hope you enjoy it very much. And, um, and of course, big thanks to our sponsors who uh, were always very grateful for Manscaped. And, of course, um, Never Lost at Home, which is the fantastic um, new show at the New Wolsey starting this week, I believe, 16th, which is fantastic. So uh, check out their website to buy tickets for Never Lost at Home, the story of the 19. 19- 81 UEFA Cup winning side. Um, what a great, uh, what a great season that was. And um, well, you've already probably heard the podcast um, with some of the actors involved in that. And um, yeah, so get your tickets for that as well. Thanks to them for their for their loyalty to KOA podcast. Show some loyalty to them and go and enjoy the show. And uh, we'll speak to you again. From true crime to football, Brexit to football. More great podcasts from Archon. Head to audioboom.com/slash Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.